Hey everybody, Pastor Worth here. Uh, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. If you are new, welcome and thanks for joining us. If not, welcome back. Just a quick few calendar reminders before we begin today. First up, this coming Saturday on December 18th at 6 p.m., we are throwing a party, an old-fashioned Christmas party to be exact. We will have food, drink, and Christmas cheer, including my special holiday wassail that I want to share with all of you along with cookie decorating, ornament making, impromptu theater challenge, photo booths, gingerbread house construction, and a Christmas carol sing-along, among uh, some other things. Everything is socially distanced, masks are required, our industrial HEPA filters will be set up, and the treats will be served by vaccinated, masked, and gloved Christmas elves. I mean, awesome church volunteers. So don't miss it, and if you've been given the special Christmas party and Christmas Eve service invitations, at our kinfolk groups. Don't forget to use them and invite your friends and neighbors. Next, we are so, so, so ready to gather with all of you for Christmas Eve on December 24th at 6 p.m. in our worship center. We'll have carols by candlelight and an encouraging message because after all, the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. So see you there. And again, please do your best to personally invite your friends and your family and your neighbors. Everyone is welcome. Next, for all you middle schoolers out there, 5th through 8th grade, we have one more gathering before Christmas this Wednesday, December 15th, in the youth room at 6 p.m. Come grab free dinner. There's games, hang out, bring your friends. Our, uh, our special friend prize is still going strong, so take advantage of that, and we'll see you there. Oh, and one more thing. Everything we do is to share the love of Christ. Every gathering, every event, it's awesome to be part of something bigger than yourself. So at each and every one of the gatherings that we have coming up, all the things we just announced, all the way to Christmas Eve, we are collecting socks for the clothesline program at West Seattle Food Bank. Our friends over there are in need of a lot of socks. So whenever you're out shopping, just pick up a pair and bring them, go through your stuff. If there's socks you're, you don't need anymore, bring them here to the church, drop them off, make an online order right now so they're going to arrive before our Christmas party or our Christmas Eve service and bring them along and drop them off in the lobby and spread the word to everyone you're inviting to all these fantastic fun events to help us give away as much as possible and help our, our neighbors in need have a good Christmas. And finally, last but not least, for you folks watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe as well as hit the like icon below. This will really help our channel out. Okay, let's jump into the message for today. We have been talking about growing in Christ for the last several weeks. Our framework has been focused on Jesus' words in the Great Commandment in Matthew 22, where Jesus himself says that the entire law and the prophets are summarized in two commands, love God and love others. And we've been working with this Venn diagram, which shows us where we should be aiming. And we've talked about having our hearts in the right place as we work on this, trying to understand what God's part is, what their part is, which is anybody other than you, and what our part is, what, what my part is, what your part is. And as we've gone deeper into this, we've recognized the pitfalls and the valleys and the hard things that we have to navigate when it comes to actually putting our intentions into actual physical practices. And it also takes being with other people to help sharpen our character and hone our skill set as we shape ourselves to become more like Jesus. If we don't spend time with God and others trying to become more like Jesus so that we can actually love God and others in a kingdom-minded and world-changing way, then at worst we're dangerous 
Like if you have the skill set, but you don't have the character. And, and a small step from that is we're just irrelevant if you have neither. The state of most Christians and people who come to church to give Jesus a try is really that they're bored and perhaps irrelevant. And they don't see the relevancy of following God. Because learning about Jesus has become, for the most part in our culture, attending kind of a spiritual TED Talk, not unlike this one, uh-oh, and then doing nothing with it. And that's literally what I mean. I mean, great sermon, pastor, nice application points that I'm never, ever going to follow through with. And that's why I said last week that practices eat intentions for lunch. And it's why we zeroed in on one of Jesus' teachings in Matthew 25, where he talked about the kingdom of God and gave the illustration of three servants who were given talents by their master while he went on a long journey. The implication of which is that Jesus simply expects you to actually do something, do anything with what he has given you, with how he has gifted you. And we are to do this without comparing ourselves to others. And instead of continuing to make excuses about how little you've been given to work with or that you're overwhelmed even though you've been given tons of resources and you act like you don't know what to do so you don't get around to doing anything, Jesus's challenge is for you and I to get off our butts and start loving him by loving people in tangible, real ways. In short, he's asking you to be the best version of who you are. This week, we're going to look at another parable Jesus told. This time, it's about a seemingly conniving manager. He's got some schemes up his sleeves who works for a wealthy, rich dude. So let's see what Jesus has in, has in store for us as we learn about uh, the shrewd manager this time around from Luke chapter 16. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. So the manager's like, oh snap, things just got real. What's the boss, you know, the boss wants to see the books in order to see what I've been up to. And the manager's going to come back expecting to see those books at some point. But this is what the manager does in the meantime. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. So what did he do there? Essentially, he just cut this guy's bill in half. The guy owed his master money. Think about how much debt you have. What if someone came along and got rid of half of it? Verse 7. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Hold up. So just in case you're wondering about what that actually says, yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, how many of you, if you had a financial manager who had control of all of your assets and you found out that He's been using your money for sketchy things, first of all. And then you're like, you know what? That's enough. Show me my books. And you come back a few hours later and you see that this financial manager has reallocated and redistributed money and debts all over the place so that he can come out on top and you lose. How many of you would be like, wow, that's an amazing job. Nice work. 
And this is what Jesus is setting up. He says this, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So we're quick to attack Wall Street and corporations and the corruption and the politics. Now that's not wrong for us to do that, but what, but what Jesus did, those things that you blame them for doing, he's like, you should be doing yourself. Now, hang here, with, hang on with me for a second so I can explain a little better what I think he means when he says that. Let's go to verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted, and some, some translations say faithful, with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much, which is a tie-in with the previous parable we talked about. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon and money. Some translations say prosperity instead of money. So Jesus says, you can't serve both God and prosperity. This whole thing here reminds me of another verse, kind of a favorite of mine from Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, where Jesus says, you should be uh, wise as a serpent and gentle as a what? Gentle as a dove. And we love this phrase, but we often don't realize how shocking a statement this is, because where's the only other place in the scriptures where we see a wise servant? And what's his name? It's in Genesis, and his name is Satan. So Jesus just told us to be like the devil, right? What? Well, you remember that story? Remember the story of this guy, Adam, and his wife Eve, way back at the beginning of creation, and everything was good and right, and the serpent shows up. When he shows up, he starts asking questions and saying just the right thing, with just the right amount of nuance and doubt at the right time, and he manipulates, and the rest is history. Remember that guy? Jesus asks and says, you should be like him, with one difference, with one exception, that you are to be as innocent as a dove. He's saying, you should scheme and plan, not from deceit and self-interest, but from truth, and from the love of other people, for the love of other people. So if you figure out that when you meet people, like if they're hard against God, and they've been burned by the church, and they're telling you about that for some reason, and you sense that they're looking for more in life, they're looking for you to maybe offer hope, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to work this situation. you got some plans now. You have a project. We should be like that. We should be intentional about this walk with Christ in a way where we are full of imagination and craftiness, and innovation, and disruption, not for ourselves or getting ahead, but in pursuit of love for God and love for others. Because we'll spend so much time and energy and money on our own career and on our own health and on our own appearance and on ourselves. We'll spend so much on that. And right here, Jesus invites us to do the same with others and for others. He says, make a plan, make a list, start scheming within the boundaries of his kingdom of love and peace, are you willing to be intentional and make a plan with your schedule, to make a plan with your money, with your resources, to make a plan for your relationships and your connections? Are you willing to have a plan or to come up with a project to try to do something, something proactive and long-term instead of reactionary and short-term? 
to see a problem in the world or in your town or in your neighborhood or at your work and say, hey, I, I don't know if I can do anything, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to go for it. Look, for our jobs or for our businesses or for our immediate family, we'll do research and hire firms and make all kinds of plans and spend all kinds of energy and time. Are you willing to do the same thing in your life when it comes to being a disciple of Christ? We need to be the best version of ourselves and we need to be intentional in this world with what we're going to do to follow Jesus. And we need to get at it. We need to get something done. Research, talk, make a plan, then go do. Put your hands and feet to work. That's the only challenge and implication for today. Our job is to be intentional and have a plan. The same way we are intentional in our jobs and in our finances and in our career and in our marriage and in our parenting, in our investments, in our education, in our health, in the same way we are intentional with any and all of those, we need to be intentional with our relationship with God and others, with loving God and loving others. So here's some ideas to get you rolling, to get your imagination stirred, ideas that you can work on right now. Make some holiday treats and a handwritten card for your neighbors. Invite a few neighbors around for Christmas drinks and cheer so you can deepen your friendship with them and understanding of them. Give a personal invitation to your friends and families and neighbors to the Christmas party or the Christmas Eve service we have coming up. Call your local elementary school to see if you can donate any kind of gift to families that might be in need. Organize a neighborhood walking or driving caravan to check out Christmas lights in the next few weeks. Hold a New Year's white elephant party after Christmas and just have a ton of fun with it, with all of your friends. Do something practical for a struggling household nearby. Gather around a fire pit with neighbors in the first few weeks of the new year and, and just kind of share what you're glad to leave behind from 2021 and your hopes for 2022. Put up a board in your front yard for neighbors to write their hopes on for 2022. Set aside the first days of January to pray and fast for your neighbors who don't know or follow Jesus and for the kingdom to advance where you live, where you work, where you study, where you play. Well, we'll leave it there for this week. If you're one of our kinfolk groups, then the following uh, discovery questions are for you to work on together. What stands out to you about today's text? What does this text say about God? What does it say about other people? How can you specifically live out this passage in the next few days? Create an I will statement about that and then share that statement with a group or a friend. Who are you going to tell about what you discovered in this text from this message? Until next time, I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.